Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio. Brian Haydad in Starkville. Brian Scott Riffey sitting right next to me. We are on the Oxford Square. It is absolutely gorgeous. This is one of those days where if you uh, you walk to about 12 different spots in the county or within about a five-county region just to look for clouds, you're not going to find one. Canopy of blue, and it is absolutely gorgeous. But it's a little bit windy. Uh, as we uh, are going to spend the next three hours with you on this uh, this Friday afternoon. Double Decker Arts Festival going on this weekend. Uh, five or six years in a row that we've been here for uh, this. We're going to have a good time with you. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. That is not... The Vandy Whistler that is behind us. And, Michael, I know you so desperately want it to go away, that little chirp, chirp, chirp. I didn't even hear it until you brought it to my attention. But apparently uh, about 50 feet behind us, there's some sort of a cooling unit. And the fan in the cooling unit has uh, needs a little WD-40. And it's going, tweet, 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 tweet. So, uh, sorry about that, man. It's okay. I mean, I, I will learn to ignore it. I just can't believe the people like setting up their stations and stuff for the weekend don't want to just break it in half already. I'm telling you, I did not hear it. Like, it didn't even register on my like hearing whatever until you mentioned that it was back there. And now you'll never not hear it. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. I, You're I appreciate that very much. Hey, C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. C Spire is customer-inspired. If your phone's a little rough around the edges, you can take it to one of C Spire's certified repair centers. They've got locations spread out between Brandon and Tupelo. Usually can fix your phone while you wait. doesn't matter who the carrier is. They will fix the problem for you. We have got, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about this afternoon. It's one of those days where you go, we're going to do this for three hours. How are we, okay, now I'm lying to you. What an afternoon coming up. NFL draft last night, lots of storylines to go along with the uh, the first round draft. You had uh, Ole Miss getting an 11-inning win last night in baseball against um, Texas A&M. Uh, at one point, it looked like there was absolutely no shot. Like, pack your bags, go to the house. Shut it down. Game over. Why are we even wasting our time playing the last couple of innings? And then it kind of got interesting about the seventh inning. And it got a little more interesting in the eighth inning. And then you go to the ninth and the tenth. And ultimately in the eleventh inning, Ole Miss falls behind, comes back, and gets a win. The uh, New York football Giants were uh, not great last night in the draft. There were a lot of really cool stories going on. 
Brian Haydad is in Starkville. we got baseball coming up tonight from Duty Noble. Big series. No Emerson Hancock for Georgia, which perhaps presents a, uh, a great opportunity for Mississippi State. Haydad, happy Friday. What's up, guys? Sounds like it is a wind tunnel where y'all are standing, man. Hey, we really, it is kind of a wind tunnel. We're actually in between two buildings. we got City Hall to our right, and uh, Square Books Jr. is to our left, and we're kind of elevated, and it is quite literally a wind tunnel blowing directly into our faces out of the west. But hard to complain when it's like 75 or 80 and sunny. Not, not too bad. Gorgeous here in Starville, too, so we'll have great weather for uh, tonight's game between Mississippi State and Georgia. Hey, Dad, you would have enjoyed where I was just a little while ago. Were they serving uh, food? Yeah, uh, they were. I I went to St. Leo. uh, It it was one of those moments where I stopped by to see my wife. She was working. Uh, She was in her store just a a little bit down from where we were, and I realized I've not eaten lunch. And I looked at her and I said, I have to eat. She's like, I'll go with you. I was like, oh, that's great. So uh, went and got a pizza. Um, sausage and pepperoni and capicola, which is, I, I didn't know what capicola was. Apparently, it's uh, pork shoulder in yeah, small great. little bites with some big mozzarella, yeah. like melted mozzarella chunks on there. Holy cow, that was good. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, you could have come to Oxford today and I would have shared with you. I don't need to be eating that, Richard. I don't need to be eating that. Hey, look, you don't have to eat the entire pie, but you can have a piece. It's all about moderation. What, what you just described, I would eat the entire pie. It would, well, it would, I wouldn't be able to hold back. Fair enough. Three Mississippi State players go in the first round last night, and uh, kind of a historic night for Mississippi State football. Pretty cool to watch it happen. Yeah, first time ever in school history to have three first-rounders. Uh, and, you know, to get those three guys... You know, sort of some drama, obviously. You know, Sweat slid down to the, the bottom half of the first round. But the three guys that you thought had a chance to be first-rounders, they got their, their, their pro dream to come true, and now they're on to, uh, to bigger and better things. It'll be interesting to see how they go. Mississippi State had uh, Jeffrey Simmons go first. He was the first Bulldog off the board, and then you get Montez Sweat, and then ultimately uh, Jonathan Abram does turn into a first-round pick. That's something that we had talked a lot about, the the possibility. On some draft boards, he was there. On some draft boards, he was a mid-second-round guy. It got started when the Tennessee Titans, the team that was hosting the draft, the city that was hosting the draft, took Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State with the 19th pick of the uh, the first round. You scoot down a few picks to the Washington Redskins at number 26. Montez Sweat goes to the Redskins. Second pick of the first round for the Redskins, they also took Dwayne Haskins with the number 15 pick of the first round as uh, as quarterback. And then you, you get down just a couple of picks. Actually, it was back-to-back picks. So one pick later, the, uh, the Oakland Raiders take Jonathan Abram I think it was you that I saw tweet this last night, hey, Dad, that uh, that you felt like it was an absolute perfect fit for Jonathan Abram. Why did you say that? Well, just from a historical standpoint, when I think of, you know, hard-hitting, knock-you-out kind of safeties, the Raiders are the franchise I think of, of Jack Tatum. And, and uh, you know, later in his career, Ronnie Lott and Rod Woodson both played there. I mean, they always have that reputation of a nasty defense, and, and Abram will fit that mold very well, I think. It's funny, you said knock you out safeties, and Ronnie Lott's the first name that came to my mind, but I don't associate him with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I associate him with, with the 49ers. 49ers. No question, but he, I know he played some years with the Raiders and had good years with the Raiders, too. So, Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting night last night at Swayze Field as well, Rippy, and uh, you, you, you rock along, pretty good pitching duel early. 
Uh, Texas A&M scratches for uh, a run to go up one to nothing. They add a couple of runs. It's three to nothing. And Ole Miss has just done so little offensively in that ball game that it feels like at that point that it's kind of a lost cause. And then the Rebels begin to chip away. Uh, they get a run. They get a couple of more runs. It's tied. You end up in extra innings, and then they, they kind of found a way in the 11th. Yeah, aided by some pretty awful defense from Texas A&M. It was um, brutal. Particularly in the eighth, where they got through the ball in the tarp. That's tough to do. Um, but they tied it in the eighth. Um, and then kind of there was never really a point where you thought Ole Miss was going to win the game. I mean, when Dillard hit the walk-off, they were 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. He was 3 for his last 23. He struggled against left-handed pitching or really just hitting from the right side in general. But they found a way, and that was a big one for them. They needed that because now all of a sudden you're kind of at 11 and 8 and in a decent position to win the series and you're a game and a half out of first place in the West. Yeah, really pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Obviously, Ole Miss and Texas A&M one game ahead of everybody else with the exception of Vanderbilt and Auburn, who also played last night. Vanderbilt got a 12-6 win over Auburn in that ball game, and so um, uh, everybody else gets started tonight, including Mississippi State and Georgia in Starkville. You mentioned Thomas Dillard from the right side. I know he's got nine home runs. I'm not convinced that he, and, and I know we've got analytics and track man stats, so somebody can actually give me an answer to this. I'm not convinced, though, that he has hit a baseball any harder than the one he hit that was the game winner up the middle last night. Oh, yeah. It was a rocket. Yeah. Clearly you're disagreeing with me. It's okay. I mean, he he said a few balls hard, but I I guess you get your point. He hit a rocket back up the middle, hit off the left side of the mound. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was a big hit. They certainly needed it. Yeah, and Ole Miss gets the win to move to 11-8, and eight, as Rippy just said a second ago in, uh, in SEC play. They at least for a little while climb half a game in front of Mississippi State, who is 10-8 going into the weekend as well. Going into last night, you had a three-team tie for fourth in the SEC West with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn all at 10-8. and eight. Ole Miss gets the win. They go to 11-8. and eight. Auburn takes a loss to Vandy last night. They fall to 10-9. and nine. So you've got uh, Mississippi State right there still sitting at 10-8. and eight. Hey, Dad, is this one of those weekends where big crowds, good weather, awfully important series for Mississippi State? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, State could get a sweep they would be sitting you know right there and on uh, top of the SEC uh, yeah this is going to be a this is going to be a big weekend across the conference this is a movement weekend maybe this is the weekend we, we get a little separation between all these teams because you like you said three-way tie for fourth but those teams are what a game and a half two games out of first so this might be a weekend where we, we start to see a little bit of separation in the two divisions and, and, and if we get that separation, then this becomes a weekend unlike any we've seen so far this year because all we've had is a log jam. We had a log jam after week one. We had a log jam after week five. We had a log jam after week six. This is week seven, and you got six teams going into the weekend separated by a total of two games. We'll see what it looks like on Sunday when we wrap up all seven series this weekend in the SEC. Just getting started with you. Borky says even though it's Friday, we're going to do winners and losers when we come back. We'll do it NFL draft style. Sports Talk Mississippi broadcasting live on the Oxford Square for the Double Decker Arts Festival. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. I've been living for the weekend, but no, not anymore. 
She comes back for me, you feel it. The Friday is famous for. Yeah, I'm looking for some action. And it's out there somewhere. 24th annual Double Decker Arts Festival in Oxford. Originally inspired by the Double Decker bus that Oxford imported from England in 1994. The festival showcases Oxford as a town that supports the arts and has grown to be one of uh, one that champions uh, one of the champion events in the region and obviously a big part of the weekend is music Lily Hyatt is the first act up tonight at six o'clock in Thacker Mountain Radio at seven o'clock Eric Gales will wrap things up the headliner this weekend is uh, uh, coming your way tomorrow night on the uh, the main stage Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, that's from 8.30 to 10 until tomorrow night. Shovels and Rope from 7 to 8. Lucero from 5.30 to 6.30. You give out that music lineup, and I'm going to say there's a really good chance that Michael Borky is going to jump in his car at some point tomorrow and drive north. What do you say, Bork? Yeah, I think I'm going to make my way up there and maybe watch a baseball game and, and listen to some music. I'm a big live music guy, and I don't get to, to see it very often. We just... Hey, here where we live, we just don't have big acts coming through all the time. So if I get a chance to see somebody like that, I'm going to take advantage of it. Hey, I promise if I had a guest house, which I don't, I would offer you a place to stay. I think I'd rather pay for an Airbnb than stay at the Cross House. I don't know. Would you now? <laughs> well, good luck with that. Hey, good if you feel like that, buying buddy. a guest house to help me out, I would appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Uh, I don't think that's in the budget uh, anytime soon. Oh man! Glad to have you along this afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, coming to you from the Oxford Square at the Double Decker Arts Festival. And uh, it's been a lot of fun for a lot of years. Twenty fourth consecutive year that this has happened in Oxford. And the expectation is somewhere between 60 and 100,000 people in the Oxford Square tomorrow uh, for this event. All right, Borky, you say we normally do this on Monday, but you think this is a special occasion? Yeah, I Winners think let's and do this on right Friday. Now. Yeah. All right, let's do it. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, winners and losers on a rare Friday afternoon NFL draft style. Top of the list for me, and this is a little unconventional. I'm not going to give you a team. I'm not going to give you a GM. I'm not going to give you an owner or a coach or a player. I'm going to give you a place, and that place is Nashville, Tennessee. My goodness, what a show Music City put on last night. First time Nashville's ever hosted the NFL draft. Uh, Adam Schefter, right before the draft again, said, look, we've been to New York and Chicago and Philadelphia and Dallas. They were all great host cities. It was all a great event. But there is nobody who has ever done a professional sports draft the way Nashville, Tennessee is doing this draft. This is insane. Those were the words of Adam Schefter. When you watched it last night, the, I could not get enough of the aerial pictures of the up and down Broadway, up and down Broadway, and then the rain started, rain that ultimately caused Vanderbilt's baseball game to be postponed for a little while. They had a rain delay, not soon enough to keep Tanner Burns from getting hurt, but a rain delay nonetheless. There was no delay in the draft, and it didn't look like the crowd got any smaller. So uh, big tip of the cap to the city of Nashville, Tennessee, hosting the draft. They are on the winner's list. Borky, who's your number one winner? 
Uh, I think Washington, uh, for both of their picks last night, it was a really good draft. And traditionally, to the Redskins. Yeah. And it seemed that it's okay. It's uh, I like the energy. A team that hasn't drafted well in the past, and part of the reason is because they got their quarterback by doing nothing. They didn't trade up to get Dwayne Haskins. They waited for him. He fell right in their lap. They didn't do anything crazy to go get him. And then when they saw the opportunity to trade up with Indianapolis to go get a guy in Montez Sweat who had no business falling to 26, they go get him too. It's a great first round for Washington and a team that traditionally has not drafted well. So they were my big winner of last night. Rippy, give me a winner. Daniel Jones, you can do anything. Wow. <laughs> He's a lot richer than you thought he'd be, and I don't even think you thought. Like, I don't even think he going into that realistically thought he'd be a top ten pick. Um, now he's got top ten money. He doesn't have to play immediately. Like, can you imagine with the amount of scrutiny that was under that pick if he had to start from day one or, like, say, three, four games in? Barring an injury, that's not going to happen. And so he's going to sit on the money of a top ten pick while sitting on the bench and just kind of hanging out and watching his older brother Eli Manning play for a couple more years. There there are worse lots in life. Uh, I would agree with you. Daniel Jones, a winner. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. The Oakland Raiders. The Raiders. Raiders. I thought that uh, their first pick, uh, Pharrell, you know, maybe a bit of a reach, but that guy was a a dominant player in college, so I think he'll turn into a good pro. Josh Jacobs, I was so close to my 25 picks without a receiver or running back going, but Josh Jacobs... I mean, I think he'll he'll be a good pro as well. And then Abram, you guys know that I loved watching him play this past year. That's three solid first round picks. Maybe a bit of a reach with Pharrell, but but all in all, they got they got three productive college football players. I agree with you. I'll go Mississippi State as a winner last night. Three first round picks out of one school that is not named Alabama, that is not named Southern California, that is not named I don't know Miami in its heyday. Or Florida State, that's doing something. It's a really, really good day. It's a really good weekend uh, or a good start to the weekend for Mississippi State. And I know that when we get to losers in a second, I, I know some of the the way ESPN covered uh, the pick of Jeffrey Simmons is going to come up. But set that aside for a second. I, hey, Dad, there was one thing that you said on Twitter last night that I could not have agreed with more. And I think it was in response to somebody that was asking you a question, and that was, we all knew this was coming. John Harris has been telling us for six months, when Jeffrey Simmons gets drafted, you're going to see the video. It's going to happen. You were warned, and then it happened. And everybody's all mad that it happened. You you should have known that it was coming. So anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Set that aside for now. Three first-round draft picks is an unbelievable accomplishment. It's a, uh, a life-changing night for, for three guys that we watch play here in the state of Mississippi and Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat and, uh, and Jonathan Abram. And so those three guys in Mississippi State football on the winner's list. Absolutely. Anybody else, guys? Any, any other winners? Yeah. How about Atlanta? So neither of their picks, and there are two names that you've never heard of, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, right? Two guys you've never heard of, don't care about. They showed live video of the Falcons' draft party, and there were horns going off and stuff, and all the fans were looking around at each other like, "Uh, who's that guy? We don't care. Two offensive linemen, two really good offensive linemen addressing positions of need. It's not the sexy pick. Nobody's talking about it, but Atlanta got better yesterday. They needed offensive line help, and they got it. It's just 
drafting is not that difficult as we're about to talk about with the the losers from last night. Rippy, hey, Dad, you got another winner? Uh, I don't know about a winner. I've got a loser. Yeah. I for think a winner, we all do. I, I think fight well, I for think, the biggest loser. Well, I think we should give Clemson's D line a shout out. We talked about them all season long. They were this incredible group, and then they delivered three first round picks. Brother, we 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 build this as winners and losers draft special, so this doesn't really apply. But is today a good day to be Davo Sweeney? Holy yes. cow! Ten years, ninety three million dollars. To go along with two of the last three national championships. Stabo Sweeney, you are a winner on this Friday. All right, losers. Um, I don't know how you slice and dice the New York Giants deal, but let, let's just start here. Okay, let, 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 let's start here on the New York Giants. With the sixth pick of the NFL draft, the New York Giants selected Daniel Jones. Had they been so inclined... Instead of using the sixth pick of the NFL draft, the New York Giants could have used the 17th pick of the NFL draft to take Daniel Jones. They didn't. That was dumb. They are losers for the way they handled those two first-round picks. What are you doing, Dave Gettleman? They probably could have waited till 30 to get him, if we're being honest. And, it, and it's the things that they said after the fact, too, that, one, that they don't want to use him right away. They want him to sit for years. So they drafted a guy, even though they have positions of immediate need everywhere on the field, they drafted a guy with the intention of not playing him. Okay. And he is... Yeah, but hold, but hold on a second. Now, the Packers did that with Aaron Rodgers also. I mean, the, the idea of drafting your future quarterback two or three years out is not a terrible plan. No. It's a terrible plan when the guy's Daniel Jones. Exactly. So so you have this guy that you don't need to take at six, and, and you have no intention of playing him. You've got position of, positions of desperate need all over the field, and yet this is what you do with number six. You had elite pass rushing. You had elite offensive line help, too, and instead you go with the quarterback that you didn't need to take at six. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Let, let's be real honest. If Daniel Jones is your quarterback of the future, like two to three years down the line, that means you're going to play your $30 million quarterback for the next two years. Do you want to see him in one piece? Do you want to have any semblance of success offensively? You better figure out a way to protect Eli Manning in the seasons in which he, in which he is 38 and 39 years old. We'll continue this conversation in just a second. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. And on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Good to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Absolutely gorgeous across the state of Mississippi. We are broadcasting live from the 24th annual Double Decker Arts Festival on the square in Oxford. A little bit of rain yesterday, which was just uh, like kind of came in and washed all the pollen away. And now we're uh, all set. Got tons of music, and uh, we'll tell you all about what's happening this weekend. Uh, coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Hey, Dad is in Starkville. Brian Scott Rippey here with me in Oxford. We're going to get to plenty of baseball this afternoon. We're going to continue to look at the uh, the NFL draft and a uh, a whole lot more. But let's let's kind of continue the winners and losers. And uh, as we look at last night's NFL draft, we were on the loser side of things. 
Hey, Dad, let me come to you and, and see where this goes in our conversation. Okay. Uh, for me, I mean, the Giants are just such a, an obvious answer. But I, I'm going to take a hot take here and say the Arizona Cardinals. You had the number one pick in the draft, and you took a quarterback who I am not sold is going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't, I don't see him being a star at the NFL level. Uh, and you're a team that has a ton of holes. You're such probably a hater. I, I, maybe I am. I mean, but I, I liked Kyler Murray in college. Thought he was a fantastic college football player. But I don't see him as a great pro. And you know, when you're talking, and then they haven't. They also haven't made a deal yet for Josh Rosen which probably could have been turned around into another first-round pick last night. And now, if you do get a first-rounder, you're going to have to wait a year. I just think it was, it was just poorly managed. Of course, this is the same franchise that hired Cliff Kingsbury, who couldn't win in college, to be their head coach. What, what is your reason for thinking that, that Kyler Murray might not be successful? It, it, because it can't be athletic ability. Oh, no, he's, he's a great athlete, fantastic athlete, but there are lots of great athletes who I don't think would make great quarterbacks. Um, but he showed you he was a great this, quarterback. This is this might sound sort of funny, but the reason I think it is Baker Mayfield. It's pretty obvious that Lincoln Riley's system is conducive to putting up ridiculous numbers. Okay. You know, and Mayfield did it, and, and Murray did it, and I, I have, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Jalen Hurts is going to do it this fall. So... I just don't. I, I hate to use the term system quarterback, but I don't see anything from Kyler Murray that makes me think, okay, that guy's the next great NFL quarterback. I guess there's a wait and see that goes along uh, goes along with that. Um, I, I just I, I was explaining to to Jane earlier today the the whole Kyler Murray timeline. Or maybe it was last night. We were talking about it. She was like, okay, so Kyler Murray, I, I know that name. I said, hey, I said he won the Heisman Trophy. I said, do you realize, though, that uh, last June, so 10 months ago, he was a top 10 draft pick in, the, in Major League Baseball? She goes, really? I said, yeah. And, and he was a top 10 draft pick with 200 career collegiate at-bats. That's insane. Yeah. But the athletic ability was so off the charts. And then you saw the athletic ability on display after he gets drafted in the tenth with the tenth or the, the ninth overall pick, top ten pick, and signs a deal with the Oakland A's and the A's say, you know what? Yeah, go have one more fun season of football. Okay, I'll be happy to. And I'll win a Heisman trophy. He was the ninth overall pick in the baseball draft and went number one overall. I know we all know that. But when you say that out loud, it's really hard to wrap your mind around what the last 10 months have been for Kyler Murray. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think if we could all go back in time, the Oakland A's would have been like, nah, we need you in camp today. Yeah, and he would have done it. You. He would have done it. Yeah, because he could have never dreamed that it was going to be bad. And I, I said, I don't want to hate on the guy. He had a fantastic year last year, was the best player in college football. He and Tua, I mean, I could have gone either way with them as far as the Heisman, but he was great. And he took that team into the playoff, and, and they won. And Fantastic. Good job. But I don't see this guy being a huge NFL success, especially with a coach who I don't see as going to be a huge NFL success. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of uproar online last night uh, after Jeffrey Simmons was drafted by the way ESPN handled the Jeffrey Simmons story. They, uh, I'm, I'm going off all the reports I read. At that point, I was at the baseball game. 
Uh, I did not watch it live. Borky, I know you were watching it. Hey, Dad, I think you were watching NFL Network. I don't know if you flipped back and forth. There are a lot of people that are angry with ESPN for airing the video of Jeffrey Simmons and the altercation in the uh, the offseason before he uh, got to Mississippi State. I mentioned earlier, John Harris with the Houston Texans, who's got as, as strong an NFL background as anybody that we know, uh, and certainly as any that we talk to on a regular basis, has been telling us since January, whoever drafts him is going to have to deal with the video. They're going to show the video. You're going to see the video. We saw the video last night, and now the story's over. Until maybe the first time that he plays. They'll air the video again. Everybody will get mad that they air it again. And then the story will be gone. Why are people so irrationally angry that ESPN showed the video that they showed last night? Uh, because it's, it just makes Mississippi State fans angry that that there's not enough forgive and forget. And I, hey, man. I want to. I want to go on the record here. I, on my podcast, I told. I gave a public service announcement. You're going to see that video. So if you missed John Harris and you should have listened to Brian Adad, we had you covered there. But people just they want to see it go away because partly because, because you know because a why though because just, just because, because you don't because like seeing a, it and he's one of your guys that you just that's the answer. Okay, you just you just gave us the answer. That is correct. Okay. Well, that yeah, and yeah. I think if ESPN would have shown it, mentioned it, talked about it, and then moved on to football, people would be less mad than they are today. It's really all they did. That's so what, that's what was I no, was. There was no football context after the video was shown, and they talked about it. They didn't show that, a football highlight of his, and correct. they said that he dropped because of the video, which we know is not true. He dropped because of the ACL tear. I think that's where you're seeing a lot of this anger, is because that's all they did in relation to this. Well, do we know that he didn't drop partially because of the video? Yeah. I mean, it's probably why he wasn't the number two pick, but I think he would have been a top ten pick regardless had okay. the injury not occurred. Yeah, I, I, on that we can agree. I, I do want to say this, and I'm just, I'm just kind of shooting straight here and shooting from the hip. Th th this... He's been nothing but good since he's been at Mississippi State, on the field and off the field. That's fantastic. That, that's great. That makes him like the overwhelming majority of students that go to college. What, why is it that we're beating the drum of, oh, no, you can't talk about this now because since he's been in school, he's been a model citizen. No, he's been like everybody else. Is, is that not fair? Is, is, is it unfair to say that out loud today? I don't, I don't know that unfair is the right word, but I think there was just a hope among Mississippi State fans that this that last night could have been the night that they finally put that behind him. And instead it was on a, on a night where, you know, as you may have seen on Twitter, ESPN came to Starkville and was there at Jeffrey Simmons' house and had yeah. him wired up, ready to show his reaction, and you didn't get any of that. So I think there was some, some hope that let's put this behind us starting today. Today is the start of a new chapter, and it didn't happen. But that said, I want to make it clear, I understand why they did it. Yeah, I, 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 would and say I knew that, it was going to happen. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. Hey, Dad, I would say that there was, um, that there was an, an error in decision-making that 
you did not include the football piece of it. But to think that maybe the video wasn't going to be shown what was so far beyond naive, you, you can't even begin to describe it. And you've heard Haydad just say, he's been telling you it's going to happen. John Harris has been telling you, you're going to see it on draft night. It happened on draft night. They showed it. They handled it. Now you get to move on. Hey, Dad, one thing that I would point out, because you said there was a hope that maybe you, you could just move on and you wouldn't have to relive this one more time. Mm-hmm. When whoever, when, whenever Ole Miss gets somebody drafted off the board, you know what's going to be referenced? What's that, Tonsil? Yeah. Possibly. You, know, you, you, you remember a, a difficult night for Ole Miss a couple of years ago at the NFL draft when Laramie sure. Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil was referenced in the draft last night. And there were some, some people on Twitter were saying, well, you know, y'all didn't complain so much when Tunsil was happening, but Tunsil's news broke that very day, minutes oh, before yeah, the draft started. That's yeah. a different scenario. It is. But it, I, I do agree with you that. When, when Metcalf gets but, drafted But you're still today, living that three years later you're, you're probably, You probably will see something uh, along those lines where, you know, this isn't the first time Ole Miss has had some drama at the draft or whatever. Yeah. In a video like that, it's ne- no matter what you do after you do something like that, it will always follow you. No, there's no and, question about that. And I saw, and it's just people, but there were people making excuses even still last night for why that, that – incident even happened and Jeffrey Simmons in his uh, press conference today I watched the entire thing he himself doesn't make any excuses so if if you're making excuses for the the action stop because the guy who did it is not doing that right well and that's a good point Borky because the two people that handle it better than anybody else better than ESPN or anybody else Jeffrey Simmons with how he answered questions and the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. They were prepared for it, and they handled it beautifully. Sports Talk Mississippi live from the Double Decker Arts Festival on the square in Oxford in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Friday afternoon, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Riffey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs, uh, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. So if you need a tractor, if you're buying a piece of property, if you're building a, uh, a dream house that's maybe out in the country a little bit, agribusiness loans, uh, crop loans, whatever it is, Mississippi Land Bank can help you. Branch locations spread out across North Mississippi online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We're going to dive in and preview Mississippi State Series with Georgia coming up a little bit later this afternoon. We'll also take a look at what else is happening in the SEC. Let's take a little deeper dive into last night for Ole Miss. Swayze Field, Rebels, and Texas A&M game. It was supposed to start at 6 p.m. last night. Riffey was really excited about the initial start time. He was less excited about the 8 o'clock start time after he got pushed back two hours by weather. You thought a bad decision turned out to be a really good decision. To It rained from like 6 until 7.30. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care. Play two. You still would have rather them not play last night. And play a doubleheader on Friday. I would probably not be leaving at one thirty, two. 
on Thursday. You stay up till 2 a.m. every night anyway. Uh, that is definitely not true. Not true? No, only when I'm, like, writing and such. I got you. Hey, look, you only got, like, four days of school left in your life. What's the big deal? Well, that's actually part of it. I've, it's kind of killing me over the last, like, week or so. Yeah. I got a bunch of stuff to do. A, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, though, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to get there. Whether or not the diploma comes, we'll see. Well, what, what, what's what's left? What roadblocks are left between you and the diploma? Two projects and a paper. How'd the survey go, by the way? Uh, the responses were something. Really? Not readable on air, but something. Somewhere, weren't they? No. They were not overly positive? Yeah. Or, or but I mean, it... no, no, but they, there's no way they would be, because it was the answer of, like, if you stopped, why? You know, if you're upset, you. why? It's like... Yeah, fair enough. It's basically like my own personal message board. How'd that work out for you? It's great. It was amusing. Yeah, I didn't have to moderate it. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dad, are you feeling sorry for Rippy for having to stay up late last night? No. He's young. He'll be all right. In a word, no. What time did you actually go to sleep? Two fifteen. Then we did podcast at seven thirty, seven forty-five. Yeah. What about all those people out there digging ditches for a living? It beats being a plumber, although I've needed a plumber this semester. Really? Why is that? Different number of different reasons, housing housing, and such. I think probably on another day we should dive a little bit deeper into that topic. We'll see. Hey, hey Borky, was it last Friday when we played the two-word answer game with Rippy? It's like he's playing, he's challenging himself now to two-word answers to every single question that is asked. You aren't trying to incriminate me on the air here, so I'm just going to plead the fifth. It's That's not four words. It's not that we're trying to incriminate. We're just trying to entertain. And you've got some stuff in your life that's happened in the last couple of months that's wildly entertaining. Well, Rippy, the things that he has, bus. yeah, the things that he has talked me into telling on this show are far worse than this story that you're embellishing. I promise. I mean, Borky's married and about to be a father because of this radio show. There is zero yeah. embellishing about this particular story. It could be a documentary. Well, well, let's start it right here. For now, for now, let's just call you squatter, and let's talk a little bit about Ole Miss baseball. A good win last night, 11 innings. Rebels had to get it done uh, at the end. You and I sat together um, and, and talked a little as it was going. Interesting running commentaries. We're, we're running through that game last night. Uh, I did make the, the statement at one point when it went to extra innings that Ole Miss probably didn't need to fall behind in the top half of an inning if they wanted to win the ball game, That's ultimately what happened, and it happens on a wild pitch in the top of the 11th. Kind of a gift run for Texas A&M. They go ahead to 4-3, to three, and it's after Ole Miss has already not made a good defensive play in the inning. And then you get to the bottom of the 11th, and Ole Miss is able to kind of really put together a, a nice bottom of the 11th to get the win. Yeah, it was a strange game because the, the runner in the top of the 11th like he, they, Zabowski, it was a leadoff walk, and Zabowski didn't really field the, a hard hit ground ball cleanly. But like to say he didn't field it cleanly is an understatement because he got lucky that it ricocheted to the second baseman and they had to play it first. Hand, got, handcuffed him, bounced over to Jacob Adams. If he fields that cleanly, they turn a double play there. It's a three-six-three. Three or at least play. the lead runners like, sure, run down at, at minimum. But the guy gets the third on a ground ball, and then a pass ball that takes a pretty fortuitous bounce back to Cooper Johnson. 
off the backstop. And Cooper actually beat him. So Crazy looked like he was late getting to the plate. Cooper actually beat the guy to the plate, but he made a pretty good slide and avoided the tag. Pretty athletic play. Really was. Um, and then the bottom of the inning, yeah, just kind of happened. Ole Miss puts two on with one out. Um, I thought the Keenan walk really just kind of catalyzed the whole inning. Um, that was probably the best at bat of the inning up until Dillard's. Dillard's is a pretty good at bat. Um, and then Dillard ran it full. He had just missed a 1-0 fastball that probably would have gone somewhere into the grove um, if he had barreled it up um, and ended the game, but, you know, gets one on the outer half a few pitches later. So let's recreate bottom of the 11th. Uh, an out to start the inning. A limit gets a base hit to left. Gray Kessinger hits a ground ball up the middle that nearly sneaks through. Bryce Blom, the, the, the transfer from Ole Miss to A&M, Makes an unbelievable kind of a backhand play. Tries to flip it to Shoemake. He can't handle it. Infield single, first and second. Uh, really good at bat to Keenan. Full count walk to load the bases. Bases loaded, one out. Thomas Dillard, the swing you talk about, where if he connects, it goes to the moon. Yeah, he missed badly with the first pitch. Then he got a fastball. And Dillard was talking about his struggles from the right siders. He's getting up. He's getting under pitches, and particularly fastballs, and not staying on top of it. Then got another one at three-two and stayed on top of that one and hit it pretty hard, as you said. And the 3-1 pitch that he got probably would have been ball four and allowed a run home to uh, come home to score. Chased the pitch out of the zone. It was up probably ball four. Like, you're you're not wrong, but, like, I don't think I don't think Mike Vanko necessarily has a problem with Dillard swinging that if it's in his wheelhouse because he probably has the best plate discipline on the team as he is. So if it's a pitch he thinks he can drive, I probably has pretty free range there. But to your point, ball four, more than likely. Comes back, gets a 3-2 fastball, and hits a rocket into center field, scores two runs, and Ole Miss gets a win. Can you quantify the importance of that win last night? Well, I mean, if you lose your 10-9, and nine, you haven't played good baseball in a couple weeks, that's what, six out of seven losses? Um, I'm trying yeah, six. So that would be six. Six out of seven. Then you're facing another lefty tomorrow, who opponents are hitting 163 off of, I believe. Yeah. Um, so are not good. You're, you're in a tough situation, and now you know the pendulum swings all all the way to their 11 and eight in a decent position to win a series. Um, I don't really know what Ole Miss is going to do on Saturday. A and M doesn't know what they're going to do on Saturday either. But in decent position, and you're a game and a half out of first place in the West. After winning game one, you feel like you've got to figure out a way to scratch in one of the next two, right? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, they're right back in the kind of a similar position they were at, and obviously statistically a game worse if you lose the next two. With a trip to LSU State and a trip to Knoxville left to finish. It's not an easy finishing slate by any stretch of the imagine, uh, imagination for Ole Miss. But the other part of that is oh, it, they would have – well, one other thing is, like, if they if they lost last night, you, you Crazy's probably spent. That's a good point. Do you think uh, Parker Crazy throws 52, 54 pitches last night? 52. But Mike said it, no matter what, if, once he, if it had gone to the 12th, Miller was coming in. So if you're setting that hard of a deadline, that makes you think he might come back Saturday. Probably not. Probably, probably not coming back tonight. Hmm. Let's say you got bases loaded up one, top of the ninth inning, and you need one out to get out of the ballgame. You bring Parker Crazy on to try and get you one out? Um, if his arm's still connected to his body. <laughs> you probably can't pitch him on Saturday at that point, right? Yes. I would 
I would I would hope not. Yeah, uh, we'll see how that uh, that shakes out. So Ole Miss gets game one, five to four. Game two coming up tonight at six thirty. Asa Lacy will pitch tonight for Texas A and M against Doug Nikhazy. Lacy's numbers are actually better than John Doxakis's numbers are. When from a win loss standpoint. Yes, that matters less. He's got a lower ERA. He's got more strikeouts. He has walked more guys. And that's one thing that was interesting about last night's game. Doc Zakis going into the game last night had walked nine batters all season. I think he went in 71 strikeouts, nine walks. Ole Miss got five walks off of him. There was pretty good plate discipline as a team last night. Well, whatever side the pitcher throws from aside, their last two wins in SEC player when Tanner Burns and John Doxakis pitched. It's really everything else that's the kind of the thumber, the softer tossing guy that's giving them trouble. Because even in the Kentucky series, they had more trouble with the guy, the lefty who threw in the first game than Zach Thompson. They weren't great against Zach Thompson, but they were a lot better than they were in game two. Well, that's a good point. So Ole Miss gets the win. They'll play again tonight. Talk some Mississippi State, Georgia coming up in just a little bit when we come back. We'll be joined by the mayor of Oxford, Robin Tannehill, as we continue to broadcast live from the Double Decker Arts Festival on the square in Oxford, Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi live with you on this Friday afternoon, just after 5 o'clock. And so... Welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross and Michael Borky with you for the last hour on this Friday. Brian Scott Rippey has made his way over to Swayze Field, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. Game 2, 6.30 tonight from Swayze Field. 6.30 tonight in Starkville at Duty Noble, Mississippi State, and Georgia. Brian Haydad is at Duty Noble, or is at least on his way to Duty Noble to get ready for that one as well. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, whether it's uh, buying a piece of equipment, actually buying a piece of property, refinancing an existing loan, getting a crop loan, an agribusiness loan. Maybe you want to build a house that's on a piece of property just outside of town, out of the country just a bit. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help because at Mississippi Land Bank, they've been financing land for over 100 years. They understand all that goes into land financing. They will make it work for you online. MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Right now, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And it's not just the F-150, which happens to be the best-selling truck in America for 42 consecutive years. It's vehicles like the Explorer and the Edge and the Expedition. Check them out. You can test drive all of those at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Spring savings event going on right now where you can save big. To Clemson, South Carolina we go. Dabo Sweeney, the guy who once said players getting more money would cause him to quit because there's already enough entitlement in the world. Just signed a 10-year contract worth over $9 million a year. 10 years, $93 million through the 2028 season. He will make $8.25 million this year, and then that amount will increase incrementally up to $10 million in the last two years. 
of the contract. Richest coaching contract in college football history. But in he, terms in he, terms of length and money, it was ten years, seventy five million for uh, for Jimbo uh, just a year ago. This resets the bar. And buddy, he's worth every penny. That's hard to argue. Especially because of what Clemson... I mean, Clemson's revenue as an athletic department, the football program has risen to an unprecedented level. If Alabama is one, then Clemson is 1A in college football now. That's just how it is. Uh, They've won two out of the last three titles. The facilities are incredible. They're recruiting at a high level, all of that stuff. As an athletic department, their budget is still somewhere in the 20s, 22, 24, something like that. So... That contract coming from an athletic department with that kind of budget is still worth it considering the revenue that he himself generates and has for that program. He's elevated them to a level they've never been. And Richard, we've said this before about Saban and Alabama. Quite frankly, they're underpaid because you know Clemson's getting the same effect as Alabama. More students are applying to school there. They're getting more donations than ever before more national interest in the school part of it, the academic side, because they're good at football. It happens at Alabama. It's happening at Clemson, too. He's underpaid, and it is $9.3 million a year. I'm curious what Clemson's athletics budget is. I've got the uh, the most recent um, survey, I guess you would say, from USA Today, where Texas was the number one overall at $214 million. Uh, Clemson is not in the top ten. You've got out of the SEC, uh, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Auburn. Tennessee checks in at number 11. South Carolina is 16 at $136 million. Kentucky is 17. Arkansas is 19. Ole Miss is 24. Ole Miss now has a larger athletics budget than Clemson has. Ole Miss... With an athletics budget of $117,834,511. Clemson, two spots behind them, $112 million. $5 million a year less in the athletics department budget at Clemson than you've got at Ole Miss. And when you compare them to Mississippi State, they're about $12 million more. Mississippi State was $100 million and change. So you're talking about a school that has a budget that's comparable to that of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. of their budget is now going to one person. And that one person pays the bills for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, you're not going to get me uh, as one that's going to knock what somebody's making. I do find it hypocritical, though. And I wrote that in the notes as as hyperbole, 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 (laughs) as hyperbole because, you know, it's not his fault that the system is this way, but if you're so outspoken about entitlement and that's why you don't think your, your player should get a little bit more, signing a $90 million contract to coach a kid's game is probably not the way to set an example of entitlement. But what would you have him do? Exactly. That's, it's a double-edged sword because the system is set up to, to how it is now and it's not his fault. I mean, what is he going to do about it? He can't do anything about it, but... Also, maybe you shouldn't be outspoken about entitlement. And if kids get a little bit more, you're going to quit because now you're worth $90 million. Yeah, don't, don't say you're going to quit because that's, that's a bad plan because you're not going to quit. He just spent 10 years at Clemson. He's going to spend 10 more years there. 
and over the course of the 20 years, he's going to make $150 million. The okay. clause in this contract is interesting to me, though. His buyout that costs buyout more Alabama? if he goes to Alabama. I, find, I think that's hilarious. You think Alabama's worried about that? <laughs> what, what, there, Not at all. What, have we seen a public buyout number yet? Yeah. I, I, in that, the, the, that link the I actual, sent you, it's there. Yeah, but I well, I've read a couple of stories about this, and I'm sorry, Borky, I had not seen the actual buyout number. So, what's the number for the buyout? Give me about half a second, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, that clause with Alabama is interesting. So, the buyout number, um, what he would owe if he leaves for Alabama, is four million dollars. So, if he left in 2019 to go to Alabama. It would be six million dollars. Anywhere else, it would be four million dollars. Huh. And, and yeah, um, and in twenty twenty, same thing. In twenty twenty one, they they get smaller incrementally. But yeah, if you were to leave Clemson this year for anywhere else, it's four million bucks. If it's for Alabama, it's six. I mean, okay, I, I see this now. Sorry, I, I had not looked at this particular story that you included because I had read a couple of other different versions of that. So for the next two years, if he wants to go to Alabama, it'll cost him six million, four and a half. Damn it, Alabama rolls its eyes at that number. <laughs> they make one phone call, and that's taken hey, care of. Hey, we need to get uh, Nick's hanging it up. We need to get Dabo. What's that going to cost us? Six million. Okay, done. I mean, that's, I mean, if it was sixteen million, it would still be done in one phone call. It probably would. I, I, I'm going to say you've got to get that number up around ten million dollars. To have even a place like Alabama go, it's kind of a big number. Are we sure that? I mean, okay, we'll play it, pay it. Are we sure there's not another way to do this? But six million dollars to give yourself what you anticipate would be a seamless transition from Nick Saban to the next guy. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Six million. Hey, that that's not an issue at all. Yeah, David said that's that's chicken feed for Alabama. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with this. All right, let's let's take this a step farther. I, I mean, I, I heard what you said, Borky, about um, th- it feeling like he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth, where he says, "I'm for players." It's hard not to look at Jimbo Fisher making seventy-five million over ten years, and Dabo Sweeney making ninety-three million over ten years, and come up with anything other than. It's time to start stop talking about it and start paying players. Or and, and here's hit change the the system slightly to make things like this less egregious. Okay, what one way or another, it, it, there there are changes that have got to be made, and he, and here's why. When the head football coach was making two hundred thousand dollars a year, which is a good living, it's okay that the student athlete was getting three meals a day and a scholarship and books and a a room over his head. I'm okay with that. When the head coach is making a million dollars and we've enhanced things a little bit for student-athletes, but still it's basically scholarship, books, tuition, room and board. I'm okay with that. When the coach is making two million dollars a year and we decide that it's in time to include a stipend to make things a little bit better, to go full cost of attendance on scholarships. Okay, 
that's a stride in the right direction. But we keep hearing off in the distance, there's not enough money really to pay the players. When a coach is making $9 million a year, you've got enough money to pay the players. And any other argument is just hollow. And I don't think I want to hear it anymore. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.